Hello, this is the Happy Pricing Podcast. Uh, welcome. This is the first episode of this new podcast. And on this um, recording, we have Lena Patel from Melbourne, Australia, who joined us on our Crowdcast webinar. That's myself and Ben Johnson. He is the pricing guru. Um, and we had a conversation about what it means to, or what do you, what to do essentially, when everyone else in your industry seems to be racing to the floor with their prices or offering stuff for free. So we explore that question from Lena, uh, as well as covering other topics and ideas around pricing and value and trying to have these conversations in a way that benefits not only you, but also your clients. So it's about 45 minutes long. I hope it's of interest and uh, enjoyable. Uh, And yeah, get in touch if you have any questions. Okay, we are we are global. Uh, with our first happy pricing clinic uh, joint show show clinic yes. show. <laughs> happy pricing show yeah we're not, yeah this is uh, I feel like it's gonna turn into something like this I think it'd, it'd be interesting to see I, I listened to um, uh, BBC uh, not money program anyway the five live money show in the mornings. So maybe it's that we model ourselves on that really hard hitting news about pricing in a pandemic. Anyway, <laughs> I, I just uh, thank you very much. Anyone who's listening at the moment, I'd love to hear uh, you know, type in the chat. Please let us know where you are calling in from. Uh, we, we have Stephanie here from Seven Oaks and we have Emma uh, joining from Newcastle upon Tyne. Thank you very much. Oh, Ben. Oh, Ben and Brian. Finally, <laughs> 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 funny you being here. Uh, we've got St- Stefan in Brussels, brilliant, and Andrea in Brussels. We've Ooh. got two Brussels people. That's brilliant. Uh, I think you, none of you win the prize for the longest distance away from us. Um, hey, there Ooh. we go. There we go. Where, where is? Can you pronounce that for me? Ah, yeah. So um, we have a protocol here where we acknowledge the um, First Nations uh, people that were here pre-colonisation. Uh, so I'm on Wurundjeri country um, and the Wurundjeri country are part of the Kulin Nation. Um, I'm in a place that was previously known as, as a pre-colonisation na- name of Nam, now known as Melbourne, which is a southeast corner of, um, of Australia. Wow. Gosh. That's, uh, it's, again, expanded my world given... <laughs> The world I feel like I'm living in, which is essentially this room for the past seven, eight months. Uh, but lovely to have you on. Um, how are you feeling today, Lena? I'm feeling quite well. It's um, in the evening for us over here. Um, I think we're about uh, 11 hours um, ahead of you. So it's um, you know, quarter past eight in the evening. Um, we're coming into our warmer months, so the sun is still out. It's, you know, going to be light for uh, at least another half an hour. Um, and yeah, feeling, um, really excited to be having this discussion with the both of you. As, as I was mentioning before, I've been watching the recordings of the previous, um, sessions on pricing. Um, so yeah, it's, um, I'm, I'm really pleased to be able to 
continue my learning with you live and with others. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Lena. How are you, Ben? I'm very good, thanks. I'm very good. Uh, yeah, I guess the contrast to Lena, it, whilst it is whatever, quarter past nine in the morning, it still will be light for about another half an hour. Um, <laughs> but no, generally, generally, apart from the, yeah, the kind of low grey ceiling, which is hanging over Brighton and Hove today, which you will see as well, Carlos, I'm sure. Uh, other than that, I'm good and uh, happy to be here. Happy to have a conversation with, with Lena. Really looking forward to these clinics. Uh, I um, uh, took my daughter to school today on the bike and we decided to try and think of poems. And so her poem today was, the sky was blue, but now it's grey. I want to be happy, but I think I'll be sad all day. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Amazing poem. Oh, no. What an amazing poem. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, bye, have a good day. Oh, no. Okay. See you at pickup. Exactly away with you <laughs> great um so uh I, for those of you watching on the chat um thank you again for being live we'd love to know your own context so uh please share if you're happy just kind of what sort of work you do uh, maybe describe the type of business you run whether it's a service-based business whether you're a, a consultant or maybe you as a product-based business or maybe you run an agency, a solopreneur, or uh, you're a founder of a sort of small to medium-sized business or big business. We, we, we never know. Um, <clears throat> because that would give us also a feel for uh, the context of some of the answers and, and the way we'll tackle this conversation. Uh, in that vein, um, we'd love to hear from you, Lena. So maybe share a bit about your uh, situation um, so people can get a feel for, for you, the type of work you do. Sure. Thanks, Carlos. Um, I am a facilitator and a collaboration designer. Um, I'm self-employed um, and have been uh, essentially doing this as my sort of main and only work for a year now. Um, so to a year, I'd always been um, employed in a, you know, some sort of full-time or part-time capacity within organisations um, doing facilitation work, but, you know, as, a, as an employee. Um, and uh, March, so 18 months ago, actually, losing track of time, 18 months ago, stepped out of um, my last um, sort of permanent sort of role uh, to establish my business, Revma Consulting. Um, the work I do, I describe my mission as being to alleviate needless workplace suffering and to bring more kindness into the world one team at a time. And so that means my work is very much based in the, in the workplace or within organisations. Um, and what I'm doing is anything working with teams about how they work together. Um, and uh, any, in terms of facilitation, it's kind of like moments that matter within organisations and I'll kind of be brought in as a facilitator. So I'm essentially in a service business. Um, uh, whatever work I sell, I'm the one who delivers it. And if um, I um, land a project that's bigger than what I can deliver, um, I have, um, I'm part of a number of different um, collectives that I would go to to team up with. So um, whilst I do work under my own name, actually a lot of my work happens under other people's names. And then we have different kind of money arrangements around that. Um, all in all though, I'm involved in all pricing um, discussions. So I don't actually say yes to a job unless I've been involved in the pricing discussion. 
um, because um, it generally works out better for me <laughs> if I've been involved in um, valuing my involvement. So that's my work. Um, as you can imagine, um, as the pandemic was rolling out as a facilitator, um, pretty much all my work disappeared overnight because you could no longer meet in person. Um, and just for context for, um, for others, Melbourne has just come out of uh, lockdown in the last, um, I want to say, two weeks. And we were in lockdown for 112 days. And then there was another period either side of that where our movement was quite restricted. So basically since March, we've not been able to be in the same room as um, other people. Um, and that's kind of still the case. So my work happens in rooms of people and people could not be in rooms. And so, um, yeah, that was a sort of uh, what, what, uh, what COVID meant for my work. Um, and the, the context that I'm in. Brilliant. Yeah. Thank you very much, Lena. Um, and so the, the question we were going to lead with, and, and um, hoping we'll also branch out with other uh, topics that, that you share, you've shared with us, was the first thing was, uh, what do you do when everyone around you is reducing their prices or putting their stuff away for free? Um, maybe to begin with, just in your experience, what does that look like and, and, and what have you seen around you in terms of your industry? Yeah, so what I noticed was that um, I get uh, other uh, people doing similar work as me, so solo um, facilitators, solo consultants. Um, all of a sudden there was like this, um, just this huge rush to... Um, put things out to kind of remain relevant is, is, is sort of my read on it. I don't know if that's really why people were doing it. Um, but all of, there sort of just seemed to be this rush to, um, you know, as different organisations were, were uh, wrestling with what COVID might mean for them, there seemed to be a bit of a rush to uh, offer uh, things at a lower cost or offering kind of like a free version before you actually like a trial version possibly or before you actually uh, did the real thing. And so uh, from my perspective, it meant all of a sudden there was this, the, the market was kind of flooded with many free options. So loads of events that were running for free. Um, and, and this is, I guess, uh, events that didn't previously exist pre-COVID. So people kind of like running opportunities or running things for people to gather, uh, but they, it's not like they had a in-person thing and they were now doing an online thing. It's just they seemed like a big rush of online things and a lot of them were free. And as somebody who earns a living from um, organising beautiful events, um, it kind of made my work somewhat irrelevant because um, people could go to events but um, and were willing to go for, to free events. And so that aspect of a well-designed event a little bit went out the window. Um, and so the very thing that I would have that value conversation on, like what is the experience you want for people, all of a sudden became irrelevant. Um, so that, that was kind of one thing that was happening. Um, and then the other thing was um, I think I, I feel like um, there was a real question about whether delivering something online cost as much as delivering something in person. 
and that was a real uh, yeah that that's still a mystery to me because um i think they're the same thing but somehow that's maybe not what the market thought and yeah so again i don't know if what i was seeing was people responding to the market and lowering their price or whether in effort to secure this now we're all online whether people lowered their price to secure that so again i don't know the motivation for that i can i i just know sort of the the trend that i saw happening mm -hmm. um and then the last fact and this kind of came to me later um was uh i'm again not sure to what extent people were being generous during a pandemic and saying hey business i see you're struggling but you still need to gather we will help you out you know so you're lowering your price as a as a you know a gesture of generosity or whether that price lowering thing was coming from a scarcity because like we all lost our work right overnight so um that that's kind of another thing i'm, I'm sort of curious about like uh whether that price lowering is like a, a gesture of like hey you're doing it tough versus oh my goodness i'm doing it tough <laughs> I'm going to give everything away. So, yeah, that's that's the, like, um, very unusual dynamic or pattern I saw that I was very um, uh, torn on whether I should be doing that because um, I guess I should, I should also mention I strongly believe in, like, I don't work for free. So I'm available, but I'm never free. So, you know, in terms of pricing, there was just kind of that, Oh, okay, am I, do I need to drop my tools? And actually, maybe there's a version of free that you do. <laughs> mm. nice. Yeah. Over to you, Ben. <clears throat> okay, thank you. So I guess the first thing I'd say is uh, when you're on a webinar, don't pour a cup of coffee while you're not looking. Focus, <laughs> <laughs> everyone out there. Great, I've, I've got that, I've got that. <laughs> That's no, my first and most important point, because what will happen is it will mainly go all over the table right next to where you're sitting. So that, that aside. Um, so uh, thanks. Thanks, Lena, for, for all of that. Um, obviously, there's, there's a huge amount. There's a huge amount in there. Uh, and so just sort of reflecting just to kind of feel what the, the kind of best place to start is. Uh, and I guess the you know the the pandemic is probably the best place to start. You know, you you were kind of noticing that um, lots of people putting things out. You know, in that sort of immediate time, I know kind of Melbourne had really really strict lockdown for a very very long time, and so the kind of impact on that. I reflecting back on sort of our own experience here here in the UK. You know, I think it's really fair to say, not unreasonably, that there was a lot of panic. Uh, in the kind of immediate period around the the kind of pandemic and beyond, lots of people trying to go online, trying to work out what they do, you know. And I think actually the kind of tone of many responses, like I said, not unreasonably, was panic actually. And um, <clears throat> this probably isn't kind of very helpful in in some respects. You know how people responded in that immediate moment is maybe of limited value to us now, actually. Uh, and I know the pandemic hasn't gone away, but actually the uh, the response in that moment really was very, very fear-based. And, and I think that does go to talk to a lot of what you're, you're talking about. People panicked, like, you know, you had a very real experience, which is, you know, the way I've always delivered my work 
I can no longer deliver my work. So that's a big problem, which it is. And, you know, that will be true for a huge number of people. You know, so you could feel it very viscerally. And then there will be people at different sort of levels of spectrum on there who felt it to different different degrees. But I think the common response was panic. And, you know, like we know, when we're in that sort of panic mode, actually, we're not really sort of thinking about things. And I think that that's sort of true for us as suppliers. And it's also true for, for the buyers too. Just, you know, lots of sort of, uh, lots of uncertainty, uh, lots of unknowns. And so a lot of the kind of... Um, the usual things go out the window a little bit. Uh, one, one question I'm kind of curious about, I know it's, like I said, I know the, pan the pandemic hasn't gone away, but, you know, actually the way you sort of started, which I think is interesting because I know uh, with kind of friends and colleagues in Australia, you know, you're coming into summer, right? So you're coming out of lockdown, you're coming into summer, and there's a, there's a kind of changing mood and atmosphere. And I'm kind of wondering, is that, you know, are you seeing that, coming through into the conversations that you're having about work and that other people are having about work, I guess is one question to just frame. Yeah, I, uh, definitely. And um, there is just such an excitement about people being able to meet together mm. that I, I, and this, again, this is like really this week, right? This has only just shifted this week. Um, I've definitely noticed um, there's almost like the opposite is happening. Like, all of a sudden I'm getting a lot of calls to do stuff in person. Like we can meet in person and people are so keen to meet in person and all of a sudden the value of meeting in person well, which is what you would hire a facilitator to do, um, is front of mind for people. So there, there is this very interesting and completely unexpected dynamic in the opposite direction. Um, but I still think that there's, a, there's this remnant thing about because people have started doing stuff for free or offering stuff for free where they didn't previously, there's a bit of a pattern that's been set up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and so that that's that's kind of well, that's well possible. Um, so I guess just two other questions just to sort of help sort of qualify a little bit. I mean, how long sort of roughly don't, have you been sort of doing this work? I guess how much expertise do you have? Oh, I'm like very good at my job. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been doing this. Um, so whilst I say I stepped out like 18 months ago, um, in one, like, because of the, my, um, you know, I grew up in a chaotic household, which meant I was facilitating from a very young age. So I'm, I'm like, I, I can do what I do quite easily because I'm, I'm like a very experienced since um, a child working with groups, figuring out group dynamics. Um, I just have more recently worked out how to get paid well to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would say um, I have, yeah, quite a bit of experience and I'm quite good at it. Okay. So that that's clearly the kind of, you know, a hugely important point to keep in mind, isn't it? That actually whatever the kind of context, which can be sort of chaotic, like there's a pandemic, people are kind of rushing around, people are doing crazy things, offering things that probably don't really make any sense, buying things that probably don't really make any sense. But the kind of the chaos of the time is just yeah. a bit kind of chaotic. And I think yeah. not that this is, is really sort of explicitly about kind of pricing sort of come to that. But you know, these things kind of chop and change, don't they? And like you say, just the, the kind of rush back in this week goes all, you know, goes to the other extreme and of course it will kind of it walks it will kind of balance itself out so i guess the kind of first sort of two just important points for kind of context one 
really important to you know always keep in mind, and I don't doubt you do, the huge amount of experience and expertise you bring to the problems that you're solving. Because actually yeah. that is the thing we just always need to remind ourselves of because we do often lose sight of that while the world around us is going to shit a little bit, which you know is kind of not unreasonable. But yeah. reminding ourselves of that is really important. We have built up our expertise over time and that expertise is useful to people. So this is my kind of, you know, my point in the sand. And it doesn't mean then that you sort of ignore everything else, but that should be a kind of reference point from which you can then go go back out to, yeah. to, to, to the world. Um, so, yeah, and so that then, you know, things kind of chop and change a lot and there are kind of crazy times and then there are less crazy times and things kind of balance out. Something you mentioned uh, when you were doing your introduction I'm really, really interested in, uh, which is you said that... Um, what you are what i can't remember your exact words but it was it was to the effect of the thing that clients want from you is your ability to design an event is that kind of do is that a correct remembering of the words could you reframe what your question is again yeah i did um, i did say that but i'm not sure what your question is yeah so i i was just trying to i was just confirming that you kind of did understand or did articulate your usefulness your value um via that lens that what a client is buying from uh, you is your ability to design design an event um that's one thing i'm hired for what i would say what i'm actually uh what i'm actually hired for is to um and whether i articulate this or not to clients i don't think that this is and this is maybe something i'm getting better at saying is like I basically um, accompany them through some really difficult stuff. Mm -hmm. So they've got something difficult that needs to happen or that they've chosen to enact. Um, and I'm the person you call when you've got something really difficult to do. And I kind of walk by your side while you do that. Um, that's like that kind of speaks kind of more to that emotive level of what's going on. Um, and I'm I'll probably my the highest value thing I can do is give people a sense of spaciousness, mm -hmm. which is like a really interesting and difficult thing to try to convey <laughs> in a pitch or a bid. Mm -hmm. So it's more just like by spending time with people, they get a sense of what it's like to hang out with me. And then I'm like, well, can you imagine a room of, I don't know, 70 to 150 people feeling like you do from this one? Well, that's what I can promise you. Well, that's mm -hmm. what I can deliver to you. So, mm -hmm. like, the, the, the thing I'm actually selling is, like, the feeling of something having gone well. Um, mm -hmm. But then how I talk about it in terms of to arrive at a price, um, I don't know. We're, uh, we're just not yet at the point in society where we can sort of speak to that directly. Mm -hmm. Or I'm not as yet in my sales process where I can speak to that directly. Yeah. So talking about a well-run event is, like, a bit more of a, a hook that people can mm -hmm. oh yeah we'll run events yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah okay i think so so that, that that's kind of useful because i think the other thing that you sort of picked up on which um or you articulated there which i think is is really important is, is the thing which actually the the thing they're not actually buying of course is the well-run event that is the thing which they can sort of tell themselves that is the why the engagement is safe i'm really interested in some of the some of the uh, the words you said so the, the the kind of the difficult change what would be an example of a sort of difficult change that actually you were accompanying 
a client on if there's a generic one that you could share yeah so it's generally um as an organization we were going in this direction mm -hmm. we are now going in this direction mm -hmm. and all the you know good humans who were part of whatever direction a you know current direction um how do we uh win hearts and minds to bring them onto direction whatever the, the different direction is um mm -hmm. so that's one another one is um within a public sector context you know um different levels of government have to do community engagement on different mm -hmm. things Mm -hmm. So um, I do particularly well within um, contentious issues. So um, the issue of what to do with trees in the state of Victoria where I live is a contentious issues. So do you cut down the trees or do you leave the trees in the ground? Mm -hmm. And you can just imagine all the like varieties of why people might want to cut down a tree and why people might want to leave a tree in the ground. So doing community engagement in forestry is like an example of like a very contentious thing, which mm -hmm. has many different opinions. And then as a, you know, for the wonderful people in the public service whose job it is to look after the trees you know, in general, um, mm -hmm. how do they look after the trees while considering the interests of all the people who have different opinions about trees? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then yeah, yeah. Um, so within the, the kind of context of those sort of um, difficult problems, as you do, because of course, you know, clients, like you will, we've kind of mentioned a few times on this course, the idea that clients really only buy two things. They buy good feelings and they buy solutions. Uh, and so the kind of good, the solutions that, that they are actually getting from you is like we were, I think that, you know, the first example you gave is a really interesting one. You Companies going like this, organizations going like this, need it to go like this, need the hearts and minds of people to come with us, you know, that feels like a hugely valuable service, right? Because if the hearts and minds of the people have not made the shift, then all of your sort of whatever aspiration you have about changing company direction, clearly it's not going to happen. Uh, and so your or ability, sorry, say that or, again. Or, or, or they're going to leave. Or they're going to leave, right, exactly. Yeah, so, gonna, yeah like it, it, it may still happen, but you're just not, not with the same people. Yeah, right. And I guess if, if if a bulk of your or sort of some of your people leave, the ability for the organisation actually to reliably do that is is limited. Sorry, Carlos, do you want to say? Uh, something that came up for me is like um, when when you know when we're talking with our uh, the people we work with, even at the start of a business. So you know, you, I know you already you experienced this, but this idea of right, you got this thing that you do, and you either uh, you're either a painkiller or a vitamin. And I think this goes to the, the uh, good feelings or solutions. And so when I think of a pain, it sometimes crystallizes more the value sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so when I was thinking about your situation, are right, you going from one direction to another direction? Okay, a, a vitamin is like everyone, it's basically, we either skip down the path, la -di -da -di -da, and, and everyone's holding hands and we're going this direction, or there's a mass chaos and mm -hmm. we're losing money and we're losing time, and everyone's fighting each other, and we're losing staff, that suddenly feels like, shit, that's going to cost me a lot of money. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. That's the thing that sprang to mind when I was thinking about, okay, how, you know, what, what is it I'm trying to avoid? Mm. By mm. having you on board. Mm. Yeah. 
I, I think, you know, what, what's what Carlos is, is talking about there all comes back to this thing around just sort of clarity around the, the sort of solution and the confidence to stand behind that. Because mm -hmm. then sort of coming specifically to the, the sort of three things you were talking about, you know, everybody offering free stuff, um, you know, question in your mind, just sense checking, you know, is online the same value as offline? Um, and this whole thing about, you know, actually are people being generous? Uh, by offering sort of free stuff, or are they being desperate? Uh, which I guess is the the kind of the, the the flip of that. The the point around the point around free stuff, like we said, in the kind of moment of the panic, in the moment of the pandemic, clearly everybody, all, all the kind of norms, kind of went away, didn't they? All of the everybody had a kind of collective kind of rug pulled from their feet, and all of the things which everybody sort of assumed, all of a sudden, kind of went away, kind of momentarily or not, and. Um, what I think remains true, irrespective, price is a hugely important signal, right? You kind of well know this. I know, you know, come from a sort of consulting background, consulting background, have no qualms about charging people a lot of money. And, you know, and what we're talking about is not actually just about charging people a lot of money. The reason this is called happy pricing is what we're talking, what we're interested in is kind of people making a, a kind of connection to money and price, which is right for them. But what I would say is, is a kind of constant, whether you are at this sort of consulting, just charging a lot of money, or whether you're at the level we're talking about, which is being having a happy price, is price is a hugely important signal. And um, clients and customers are looking for reassurance all the time. Uh, they always want reassurance. And I think whenever, <clears throat> excuse me, whenever they go into a process of buying something, they're always basically just looking for signals, is buying this safe? Is buying this okay? And this is true kind of almost irrespective of what we're buying. And it's really very, very true when we're talking about selling services. And um, I think people's kind of rush to offer things for free is actually a reflection more of everybody's kind of uncertainty. It might be, of course, that you need to develop, you know, you need to have ways of building trust with a prospective client. And so that the client can get a feel for what it's like to be working with you. And so there might be an element of that, of course, where some aspect of free um, is a useful kind of tool in service of that. But I think it can only ever be in service of, of something bigger, because going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, you have a huge amount of experience, you solve some problems, which are really material problems for an organization that would cost an organization a huge amount of money and time and sweat and toil and worry and all of those things, which, you know, some of those things you can put, they have like tangible outcomes is how we might talk about it. And some of those things have intangible outcomes. And, you know, intangible things are harder to put a money tag on, but everybody can understand there is like a huge cost if we get some of these things wrong. So knowing and trusting in your ability to be able to do that because of the expertise you have is really, really important. And making sure that the conversations that you're having with the client keep them focused on the reason for them speaking to you. Because I think the thing that happens when everybody rushes to a free thing is you do create a situation where it becomes one of time and materials and all this. And as soon as it becomes one of time and materials, then the whole question of, well, if it's online, is it worth the same amount? You're not hiring a room. You're not doing any of these sorts of things. But of course, all that's happened in that is everybody's lost sight of the reason for doing it in the first place. The client's lost sight of the reason for doing it in the first place. And that kind of happens, like I said, because everybody is anxious buying anything, right? So that, you just take that as a given. 
Everybody's anxious buying everything and anything. So our kind of job, our kind of role is to reassure. And we mustn't, mustn't forget the role that price, the signal that price sends, either to reassure or to, or, or to undermine, actually. And like mm. I said, I'm not just saying you should always charge a lot, but understanding the client, understanding the organization, clearly different for some public sector thing. I know that's part of your work from other, from uh, more sort of from private sector. <clears throat> but, you know, there is a pain, there is a solution that the client is needing to go away. And that solution either has an explicit financial value or, or a kind of implicit kind of, or a cost actually. And the more that you are talking, keeping the client to that, the easier it will be to ensure you kind of stand behind a providing your work for a reasonable fee, because that's kind of what we're sort of talking about. And the other thing I'd say, and this kind of requires a, sort of a bit more confidence, as the world, you know, in, in the in the kind of particular of the pandemic moment, where people start offering stuff for free, actually, there's a really powerful point of differentiation, isn't there? To say, everybody's offering for free. And this is easy for me to say, I totally get this easy for me to say, but I say it just to kind of keep in mind. The world is offering it for free. Actually, Lena has expertise, all of this kind of expertise built up, solving these kind of problems, always reminding people of the types of problems you're solving. This is how I engage. And you can say to people, yeah, this is how I engage. Yes, there is a way of engaging at this level, which might be right for you now, if you're kind of uncomfortable, if there are new clients, something around free for there. But really, because remember what I was saying, that clients want ambiguity. They, they don't like ambiguity. And so actually, if you can set out at the beginning, this is what the road of working with Lena looks like. Yes, I do the first thing, so we get a feel for each other in this way. If we're happy with this, then we go to this way. If we're happy with that, then we go to this way. And the more that you've spoken to the solution that you're solving the whole way through, the easier it will be to have a conversation around money. And I guess one, one qualification I'd say, I know we, we're talking a bit here about value and whether it's possible to price to value. Uh, and, you know, that is a hard thing to do. Like, what is the value of the change that the organization is making? Like I said, in some yeah. instances, it might be possible to get to a figure around that. But in some other instances, it's not so possible. But really, all we're sort of talking about is having the confidence to go into all of these conversations, the confidence to stand behind what you do, and to offer it at different levels, because it is worth different amounts to different people in different times. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. As, um, uh, any reflections on that, Nina? What, what, mm. what, yeah, what, what's, uh, what's been useful for you? I think probably the main thing that um, this is maybe just showing up for, for me is um, early in my, uh, you know, wor working for myself career, uh, which started four years ago, but I was always, you know, part of another organisation and then doing uh, work outside of that. Mm. One bit of advice, um, um, uh, a more seasoned consultant, um, oh, Carlos might Carlos join us soon. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he thought. That's what he thought of our question and conversation. We won't take it back. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> um, yeah, a seasoned consultant um, gave me this advice, which I, I have to say I've really held on to, but it, it possibly maybe doesn't sit so well with what you're suggesting, Ben, which was, um, you have a rate and that's the rate. And once your rate is out in the market, then that's the rate. And then you have your rate and then from there you discount, right? From from like so 
Um, as far as everyone's concerned, I have a particular design rate and particular delivery rate. And But the actual price of what I do is I just because I've been tracking my time for very many years, I sort of know what it actually takes me to do stuff and I know what it costs me to work with particular kinds of people. So I have a series of multipliers I add to um, boost up. So I've got my base rate, but then I've got multipliers, which I never reveal to the client that I've added there, you know, you're a slightly difficult person to work with multiplier. And then I have discounts. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm much more explicit about my discounts, right? So my not-for-profit discount, my I like what you're doing discount, my, you know, you seem like a nice person discount. Um, so I'm... Um, I never share my multipliers, but I always share my discounts. Um, and uh, I wonder where I was going with that. But essentially what you were just saying then about, yes, 100% agree, the same piece of work. I've done the same piece of work for like vastly different prices, but I think I'm, 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 I'm just sort of wondering how that sits with having this set rate and then being like, hey, you know this thing is worth $10,000, but because your budget is like $200, I'm happy to do it, you know. So I'm just kind of wondering about your take on that. Like, do you tend to, yeah, yes, you have different values, but do you tend to kind of um, go with, this is what it would be worth as somehow, like there's like this neutral idea of what it's worth, but then for you, I'm, well, you don't tell them you're charging them more, but um, <laughs> for you, you're getting um, a discount. Um, I guess a few things I'd say I'd say to that. I, you know, clearly the the kind of the the um, the logic of having a rate and you just stick to the rate. You know, there there is logic in that because it's just there, there is comfort in it, right? It's just it removes for you. It removes the questions, the idea that I'm actually needing to kind of sort of think about this too much, and it's actually, just okay. yeah. So um, it the rate isn't so much for me. It's for like the way people will, because word gets around about what your rate is. Mm -hmm. And I think because I particularly pitch and bid into a very particular group of people, they all talk to each other. Mm -hmm. So it's more from that perspective. Um, they actually, in practice, get charged different rates because I have mm -hmm. these multipliers and discounts. So, yeah, but sorry, I'll just add that in. Like, I'm, I do have different rates in my mind, in my imagination. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I'm guessing then even in the context of that, so understand it's kind of how you are kind of then sort of known and remembered within the market, but equally there is variance within that anyway. So how do you think the variance then is understood? I don't know. Nice one, Ben. <laughs> That's a good question. question. That's a great question. That is a great question because I'm quite explicit in my proposals that um, I think this is worth this much of my attention. This is what my attention is valued at. Um, but because I like you or I like your cause or whatever, I'm, you know, I'm happy to co-invest with you. So you pay this much, I pay this much. Um, but, yeah, how is that perceived? Very good question. <laughs> I think I've tricked myself. I thought I was going out there with the consistent rate, but I'm obviously not. It's, um, uh, you know, when you were talking, I just remembered our agency days and I, I had exactly the same perception as you did. You know, mm. 
I thought the rate that I projected to the world was for them, mm-hmm. but actually it's for me because I needed something to hold on to, to say, okay, I'm confident that if I say two days, it's going to be this much money because I said uh, half a day or a day costs this much. But mm-hmm. I, I, the way I understand things now is that sort of like restricted me. And it mm. also started the question before I even opened my mouth. Uh, I started the conversation with a client before I even had a chance to talk to them. Yeah. And this is what I'm learning from Ben, is that actually you've got to control the conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and actually a lot of the things that you just picked out are really important things. Like, I like what you're doing. You're trying to do this. You're trying to achieve that. I can support this. I could co-invest the idea of I'm coming with you on this. These are hugely important and valuable sort of, and generous going back to your first, your first kind of point. These are hugely kind of generous, hugely generous intent. And actually using this to arrive at a price, which is right for that engagement, which is kind of what you're doing anyway, but you're doing it sort of inside out rather than outside in. And mm-hmm. I think one of the conversations which has come up a few times where Carlos and I have been talking to people, people feel that everything we're talking about somehow means it's more work for them. Like, shit, this just is harder. I need to speak to people about this. It takes more time. I haven't got time to do to do the kind of yeah, research yeah, around yeah. this. And I think I think what, what they would sort of say to that, which is, is sort of true, that actually all we're talking about is using the time that you have with a client differently so you know nobody has the luxury of all of a sudden now i've got four weeks to sort of you know put you on my kind of sofa and do some sort of analysis about where you kind of are in your world and be able to arrive at sort of some magical price which is really high and good for me and good for you clearly the world doesn't work like that you know maybe we have an hour talking to a prospective client maybe we have three hours whatever it might be but actually in those times you have the opportunity to remind them of the solution that they are buying and start to investigate what that sort of solution is worth. And also for you to make a value judgment, is this a cause I want to contribute to all of the things that you're sort of talking about and explore the terms on which you are kind of willing to do that so that you're just starting to make that subtle shift from inside out to outside in. Oh, I loved what you said about co-investing. You know, that for me is such a shift from I'm going to give you a discount. A discount feels like a pity thing. Mm. A co-invest feels like Mm. I'm giving part of you, part of me to you. And that feels so much more from a happy pricing perspective, from a happy start of school standpoint. That feels so much more powerful, so much more purposeful, Mm. so much more intention. and, And feels to me also part of this message that yeah. we we project as businesses because even if we do charge our full rate or more i'm still co-investing <laughs> i'm putting my stuff in it and it's valued at this so it feels like a much more powerful place to come from oh has lena had to go yeah. and do her chickens oh no i'm <laughs> to, to everyone watching <laughs> i have chickens <laughs> some nervousness but they're very self-sufficient much to my disappointment in a way they don't need me as much as I need them um the phone has set I do believe they're in their house um they'll be fine they're quite safe I've made them quite safe um but yeah I just if I could quickly just share just a couple of like language changes I've made Mm. which may be useful for others 
Um, this very, very recently, I don't use the word like budget or cost on my proposals. I, I refer to it as like um, your investment. So, which like I think people have been doing for a while, but um, rather than saying this will cost you blah, 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 it's like your investment is and, and that, you know, if there's a time, you know, if, if I need their time for this project to happen, I'll kind of spell that out. It's like this much of your time and this much of your money. Um, and then I'll refer to my time as like my investment. So there'll be like your investment, my investment, and my investment is my attention. So I don't talk about my time as time because um, time is not the same for everyone, for starters. And I know my time is faster than most people's time just because of the way I work. So there's no point in calling it time. So I talk about it as this is how much attention you might need to, to give to this. Um, and yeah, the core investment thing is like, I don't know, maybe it's just a bit weasel words, but I, it's better than saying discount. I'm wearing it, right? Like by giving someone a discount, I am actually taking less, <laughs> maybe giving more, right? So, <laughs> so co-investing, and I think that's in the spirit of how I work as well. Like I am in, I am literally, I'm actually invested in their success. So I, I just say that now. Hmm. Awesome. Um, I latched onto that and I feel that because of the way we think about business. And I think part of this thing about, for me, the pricing thing, it isn't about how can I get as many clients for the amount, most amount of money I can. Mm -hmm. It's about how can I get the clients I want? And it's that alignment. And that's why co-investing for me is such a strong word because it's an alignment to the work I want to do rather than just doing work for the sake of the money. So, um, uh, and yeah, everything you said just now just, just resonates as well. Um, to to kind of close things off, um, maybe just a reflection on anything that you will take away from this conversation that you would uh, either reflect on or, or put into action straight away. Well, definitely the, um, I seem to be holding a, bit of a thing around oh I have the same rate out there but I don't really and I, I had never thought about how it's perceived uh, by others so I'm definitely going to think through that um, and I think um, definitely the um, I think I go some way to understand the value I generate but then I kind of just take a bit of a u-turn at the end or kind of trip over at the end of like translating that into and so this is how much this piece of work um is valued mm. so like i guess yeah i am aware i mean and this is maybe where the, the you know why do people do stuff for free because i'm kind of like whoa but we're generating a lot of value for people in this moment so um so i think there's something about like i i'm really good at i i think so if i'm good at unpacking what this thing is worth to them but i'm there's just this like step around like and what that means is this is how this is what you would need to invest now to to um realize that future goal mm. that's when i tend to default my rate yeah yeah and that that's a really good way of putting it because yeah it's often the last bit isn't it where we basically kind of default to everybody else's game a little bit. And all of that is what kind of undermines. A question which you might kind of play with practice is what is the cost to you of not doing this work? Um, and, it, you know, it doesn't 
need to necessarily just be a question to get you over that that kind of final hump in the road. But it's oh, just yeah. a great way of just getting the client to reflect back on the value of what they're doing, the reason for what they're doing. Brilliant. Well, thank, thank you. you very much. Thank you very much, Lena. Really appreciate your honesty, your openness, your ideas and your suggestions. I'm hoping that's going to be useful for everyone listening to this. Um, one of, I think, our core intention, particularly the way we work in based in community and trying to come together and help each other, feel like the more we're able to share our ideas and thoughts, even if we do have the answers, even if we know what to do, sometimes just talking about it and having a space to just process that pushes us forward a bit more. And so I'm hoping these calls, these, um, this show, is that right, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> roadshow. I think, I think Ben was trying to say roadshow. Roadshow. Oh, this roadshow. But uh, hoping these conversations are going to help uh, all of you who are listening. And and if you want to uh, join us like Lena and, and you have a question that you'd like us to try and work with, I really encourage you, please get in touch. Maybe type into the chat or send us an email uh, because actually um, we want to help you, but I think you also are helping others by sharing your conversations, sharing your questions, just, just like I think Lena has done here. So, mm. again, Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you Ben. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Lena. Really appreciate, really appreciate you uh, you offering yourself up, and hope it's been useful. <laughs> and yeah, it's you really, see. really great to do. Brilliant. Wonderful. Have a thank great you. rest of the evening. Enjoy your summer, <laughs> Ben. Let's enjoy the grey skies. <laughs> and, um, until next time, see you all. Thank, thank you. you. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to our Happy Pricing Podcast. I hope you found it useful. If you're new to this podcast and new to our happy finding your happy price approach, then please go to our website, happypricing.co, and download the free manifesto and our Happy Pricing Canvas. Uh, this is a tiny product created by the Happy Startup School. That's myself, uh, Carlos, and my co-founder, Lawrence. Uh, and... If you want to know more about the Happy Startup School and what we're about and what we do, then go to thehappystartupschool.com. Look forward to seeing you on the next episode.